Liz, it's State Fair Day. Hi, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Can you believe it? <laughs> We're doing interviews at the State Fair all afternoon. It's kind of rainy out there. It doesn't dampen our spirits. That's right. We love talking about Minnesota values so much. Absolutely. And, you know, what better place than the State Fair to talk about values and food and activities? I think we're in for some good interviews. I mean, just the spirit of what the fair is and what it's about. It's Minnesotans from every corner, every walk of life that come here to eat together, to find common favorites, to try out the new things, to go to the old tried and true. And it really, I think, represents what we are and who we are as Minnesotans. So it's a fun day we have in store. Absolutely. And we, this season, got to talk about a bunch of different specific issues. But now I think we get to talk to, you know, real Minnesotans about their real values and what it is that they care most about and what they want us to be focused on at the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, it was a success this year, as we discussed in our last podcast episode, that we were able to pass all of our top 10 bills off the floor. And that was a big deal. But it wasn't because we just had good ideas as a group of legislators. It was because it was the stories and the voices of Minnesotans that shaped those specific pieces of legislation. And today we're going to be able to talk to those Minnesotans about what's working and what's not working in their lives. Right. Now we get to check back in and make sure we're on the right track. I'm looking forward to it. So Liz, before we go out and talk to everyday Minnesotans, what's your favorite Minnesota State Fair food? Oh, this is tough, but I do have to say the Pronto Pup is like a go-to, and then I always try to find the new favorite foods, uh, that whatever is kind of the hot topic. And there's usually a craft brewer from Duluth that's made the trip down, nice. and so I go there. I'm going to keep going, so just hold on here, Jamie. Okay, sorry. And then also anything that's made with the bees, so the honey ice cream, the honey sticks, try to load up on that, and I always get an apple as well. How That's about, a good list. How about you, Jamie? Uh, well, I'll just I'll just do my top two. So the uh, the cheese curds, I, I can't you can't go wrong with cheese curds. You no. got to eat them while they're hot, though, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Eat them while they're really hot. Yep. And then uh, the root beer float is really good. I'm just a big root beer float fan. Interesting. And I don't get it every day, but no. you know. And you were here with your two year old. What was his favorite? He liked just about everything <laughs> um, that he got to try. I'm trying to think what his absolute favorite was. Uh, we we had a bit of an eating competition with the blueberry key lime pie at the Minnesota Farmers Union. Uh, we we wound up sharing one, which probably wasn't quite enough. You could have, good for him though. He's got good taste. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so Jamie, it's raining out. I was going to tell you that we had to do the beanbag slide together. Um, it would have been a little hard to record audio, and it's raining. So I think you don't have to do that with me, but we're going to take a rain check next right. year. We'll take a rain check next year. Okay. All right. Well, let's go and talk to some people all over the state fairgrounds. Let's do it. So we are in the cattle barn with Tim Veldy of the Minnesota Farmers Union. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, I, I was uh, honored to be asked. This is a... Uh, Big deal, uh, get somebody from the country come in and uh, be on a, a podcast. I, I'm honored to be here. Even a podcast as big time as ours, huh? Yes, uh, I'm not sure how big your following is, but I'm sure it's growing just when they hear they got a rural guy on here. Well, when they when we hear we got Tim Veldi on, I'm sure we're going to get hundreds. Oh, that, yeah, I, I should be able to bring the crowd in. Well, great, Tim. Well, thanks for being here at the Cattle Barn and driving in from Granite Falls. So tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I'm a farmer just south of Granite Falls by the little town of Hanley Falls. I'm fourth generation on the farm. My great-grandfather broke the sod on the farm in 1886, mainly raised corn and soybeans, trying to survive in the, in the, uh, the way things are going right now. It's, it's not particularly easy, but uh, I guess farming has always been a challenge, and right now it's just a little bit bigger challenge than it's been in the past. Tell us a little bit about that. What's, what's been your experience in recent years in terms of trying to make a go of it as a farmer? Well, the, uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, we started getting some tariffs. The current administration put tariffs in place, and then there were retaliatory tariffs from China. A year and a half ago, soybeans were selling for about $10 a bushel. Right now, they're at about $7.30, and our cost to produce a bushel of beans is a uh, little over $9. So before, it was kind of a bare bones. Uh, you could make ends meet. Right now, it's kind of a devastating loss, and uh, for my Myself, I'm uh, using up equity I have to continue to farm, and you know most people are. I think it's going to be a real challenge going forward on some of the younger farmers just don't have the equity and aren't going to be able to continue on, and it's going to be tough on, on small communities, not just the farmers, but the small communities themselves. Well, we really appreciate you being here at the State Fair, and you had said that this was the impetus for getting you and your daughter to the State Fair, but I'm sure you've been here before and had good experiences here in the past. Yes, and uh, I'm fairly involved with uh, Minnesota Farmers Union, and uh, Farmers Union has an excellent uh, building and booth over here and sells some amazing locally grown uh, farm products. And I think it's important that people realize the quality of products is raised in Minnesota, but also uh, supporting locally grown things uh, keeps people in the community, keeps farmers going. And uh, you know what you're getting and and you know that uh, it's a quality product raised by your neighbors. You know, what could be better than that? Well, I have a confession to make, Tim. I was here on Saturday and I had the blueberry key lime pie and I liked it so much I had another one this morning. Well, we we like repeat customers. (laughs) Well, it's great. And I think it's great that we're doing the Minnesota Values podcast at the State Fair. And what you're talking about with what the Farmers Union does here and represents is really Minnesota values that, you know, what we produce here, we have a lot of pride in. The people that produce it, we have a lot of pride in. The work we do and the communities we create through the work we do is is a big part of what it means to be a Minnesotan. So one of the things we wanted to ask you is what really makes you proud to be a Minnesotan? different things I've been involved in. I've been able to travel to different parts of the United States and different parts in the world. And I think to me, one of the things that stands out in Minnesota is people who uh, are there mainly to help their neighbors. I mean, out where I live, someone falls onto hard times, has uh, some difficulty, health difficulties. Uh, Neighbors all get together, put the crop in, take the crop out, do whatever they can. I think just caring for your neighbor, I think that's one of the things that's important in Minnesota. We aren't just looking for ourselves. We're looking for our neighbor, and our neighbor can be anybody. And whoever is there, try to try to stick together and, and help each other as best we can. And it, it makes the quality of life, to me, really good to, to know that you're, you're a part of a caring community. Absolutely. Well, that really rings true for me. We are also doing our best at the legislature to try to make Minnesota even better. What is one thing that you would improve if you had the ability to say, this one thing in Minnesota is going to be better. I'm going to make it, I'm going to fix it. What would that be? 
Well, to me, a big thing, you know, living out in uh, rural Minnesota, roads and bridges are huge. Infrastructure and roads are extremely important, and uh, I would suggest that it's part of it is a funding issue, and I think there have been some real good uh, ideas on how we can generate a little more money funding-wise to keep up with this. For farmer, farm-to-market roads, I mean, if I can't get down the road uh, in a truck to haul my produce to the to the elevator, going down a bumpy road with lots of holes in it, now all of a sudden I'm doing fixing and maintaining on my truck. So I'm paying for it in maintenance costs and everything else, whether it's uh, done or not. I'd rather have a smooth highway and spend the money that way. Right, absolutely. How's uh, broadband access in your area? Well, I've heard of broadband. <laughs> we, out where we live, it's it's very challenging. One of the things we do on our farm, we have uh, what's called a grid and zone system. So we have variable rate on our fertilizer, on our seed, and everything else. To set this up, you set up a prescription that shows the outline of the field and you know what nutrients are needed in each specific area of the field. And uh, you have to have good broadband, uh, good access to do that and uh, it's challenging at times to be able to do that if you're you know you're trying to farm in the 21st century and live in the 21st century you need the infrastructure in the 21st century to be able to do that well thank you for sharing both what you think is good about where the state we live in and how you contribute to that by being a you know part of your community and an active participant and also what we can be doing within the legislature to really improve whether it be access to broadband or being able to sustain your livelihood as a farmer in western Minnesota. But can't let you leave the podcast. We're at the state fair with Bob asking you what is your must do here at the state fair well my must do at the state fair believe it or not it's a pretty simple thing it's been here i think since in the 40s i still love the corn dog that's a must do for me and it's getting around seeing the livestock barns uh, and then get over to the farmers union booth and see all my friends over there well thank you so much for taking time to be with us today you're welcome i, I enjoyed it thank you tim <laughs> We're excited to be here at the labor booth at the State Fair talking with Joe Fowler. Can you tell us a little bit about your work and why we're here at the labor union booth talking to you? I am the business manager for Labor's Local 563, which covers about two-thirds of Minnesota and all of North Dakota. We represent approximately 10,000 members. We're obviously a union, an organized trade, uh, so we're here, we're here with all of the other affiliated unions uh, trying to represent our brand and let people know who we are. Tell us about the kind of work that your folks do and some of the things you really care about in terms of watching what happens at the legislature. We're pretty well diversified from asbestos and lead uh, removal and remediation to concrete placement on the highways, landscape and erosion control, vertical buildings in the commercial industries, oil and gas out in North Dakota, the mines, pipelines, sewer and water infrastructure. It might be easier to ask what we don't do. But it's good to have you here. I mean, part of why you're here is, you know, the values that you stand on as someone who works for the union and you see that when we all do better, we all do better. And that's really a motto that brings all of us here and why you're on the podcast. That is, I think, just in general, a Minnesota value, or at least how I was raised out in greater Minnesota. I'm originally from Big Lake, second generation labor. My dad retired in 2000. So just carrying that torch, I guess, a little further. We're an all-inclusive group. 
to me it doesn't matter whether there's a D, an R, or an independent or whatever it might be behind their name is. Uh, if they're going to help us put my members to work, then, then we'll support them. I mean, you're talking about the jobs and livelihoods of Minnesotans, and we need to make sure we're taking care of each other as a state. And that kind of leads into our first question is really, what makes you proud to be a Minnesotan? The culture that is within Minnesota is pretty accepting of, of all different people from all different backgrounds, you know, the Minnesota nice side of it. I think we were, at least I, you know, in greater Minnesota, and I think the majority of Minnesotans are, are still thinking that the uh, American dream is the same as the Minnesota dream. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity here in Minnesota. We have a good economy, and, and uh, I think there's a lot of support here for, for people no matter what your background is. And do you feel like uh, for new apprentices, folks who are coming straight in to the laborers, that they, they have the opportunity to, to meet the American dream or the Minnesotan dream? Absolutely, especially right now. It's really busy. Uh, if there's a bunch of concrete placement people out there, I'll take them right now, sewer and water, all that. But uh, the majority of our membership, and by mean majority, uh, we maybe have a couple hundred people on the bench, and, and that fluctuates as people get laid off and they go to the next job. Our average individual is somewhere around 1,600 hours a year, and, and if they're working 1,600 hours or more a year, they're well within the middle class. They've got a great pension, and we have some of the best benefits uh, in all of the trades for health care. So I think absolutely. Uh, they got to be willing to work hard, show up on time, and that means 15 minutes early in our industry. They can absolutely uh, have a good livable wage and, and family sustaining benefits. And the women and men who are part of the union, those are benefits that they get, the wages, the health care, the other benefits you mentioned that they might not get if they were out on their own. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of the bargaining power that we have as a collective voice. Instead of each individual negotiating on their own behalf, we're negotiating for them and, and with a voice of 10,000 instead. And as a legislator and why we do this, we're talking with you and others, is when we do well at the legislature, you know, we continue to grow and build on that, that people have access to quality, affordable health care, that they have living wage jobs, that we expand, you know, make sure we protect the union and the collective bargaining and all the work that the unions have done and fought for. And on a bad day, you know, we see the erosion of that. So that's why it's so important that we continue to build on the foundation that you have and what you're sharing and that make sure every Minnesotan has access to that. So what do we need to do as a state to continue to approve or a roadblock we could remove or something you see that could help make sure that every Minnesotan is living that dream that you're talking about. The wage theft law was a big deal, making sure that everybody gets the pay that they're entitled to. I'm somebody who believes that our members should be providing eight hours of work for eight hours pay, but they should also get that eight hours worth of pay. And that wage theft law, with some of the teeth that have put behind it, is probably, if not the strongest, one of the strongest wage theft laws there are in the country. I think that was a huge bonus for us. Uh, having Governor Walls in there, it means that we don't have to fight, you know, fight off uh, right to work or so-called right to work legislation, which allows us to spend other opportunities and, and, our, and our time organizing and growing. As far as what we could do to help the unions continue to grow, I think is fostering an environment of, of inclusiveness and letting people know, you know, the unions organize labor, whether it's building in trades or whether it's other AFL affiliates, you know, from OPU to the nurses or any of those. I think you can find a home with something that, that you really are passionate about doing for, for a livelihood. And I think you gave a great example. The wage theft was one of our Minnesota values uh, plan agenda items was in our top 10 bills, but we don't do this work alone. I'm, the, the things that we do get done and the work we do is really collaborative and was really led because of the work of, that your folks have done and many others really coming together and to get a strong wage theft 
bill passed in a legislature that wasn't all one party was pretty remarkable and took a lot of work from a lot of different people and a lot of different perspectives and really led by organized labor at the table and you know just really appreciative to see that process happen and unfold in such a positive way so and thank you for highlighting that i would echo those statements thank you for doing what you do in the in the legislature and being on the, the right side of uh, the working men and women since we're at the State Fair, ask you a couple State Fair questions. So do you have a favorite uh, State Fair food or a State Fair activity? The list is long. Uh, I would say cheese curds are definitely one of the ones yes. that you got to get. Corn, and uh, I have yet to get my turkey leg to take two bites of, wrap it back up, and then take it home and eat it for the next two days. Uh, quite a few different foods I like here. you got a good long list. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Normally my wallet's empty when I leave here. (laughs) Well, great. Well, it was really a pleasure to talk with you, and I hope that you have a great time eating your way across the state fair. (laughs) I hope so. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good afternoon, Mary. Good to see you here at the state fair. Nice to be here. Last time I saw you, it was probably 80 degrees, sunny, and we were up in Duluth, and we were on an informational picket line together. And because of that power that the nurses showed, what happened? The very next day, Ascentia, St. Mary's, Miller Dewan, they settled. So it's pretty awesome to have Mary here on the heels of such a big victory for showing the power of what union and organized labor can do together. So welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast, Mary. Um, So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm Mary Turner. I'm president of the Minnesota Nurses Association. But more importantly, I'm an intensive care nurse on a medical surgical unit at a level one trauma in North Memorial in Robbinsdale. And I work the night shift. I'm very happy in what I'm doing. It's, I've always believed that nurses can be the movers and shakers of society because we see society at its most vulnerable and we know what society needs. So what led you to get involved with the Nurses uh, Union Association after being working so hard uh, on the night shifts? I've actually been on the side of labor since I was 17 when I worked at a non-union nursing home, but I was the night shift labor rep on their Employees Relations Committee. When I became a nurse and I was a steward at at Abbott Northwestern, it wasn't until I moved to North Memorial that I got involved in the 2010. Remember we had a one-day strike in 2010? And then after that, I ran for the board of directors, got on. It was a steep learning curve. I was a director, and then I, uh, after that two-year term, I was uh, chair of government affairs. And then I, after that term, I ran for president, and I became president in 16. And meanwhile, you're still doing your nurse duties. I am. Like I said, I go back to the night shift. That is part of our bylaws is that the president has to work at the bedside. And it does stand me in good stead because it gives me the credibility and the stories that I need to be able to let you all know up at the Hill what's going on. When I was on the picket line this week, I don't know if it was good organizing on your part or others, but I always had a nurse walking beside me telling me a story, exactly. a story of a short staff shift they yeah. were on or the care a patient didn't get or the good care a patient did get despite all of yeah. that. And it's really powerful as legislators when we hear those stories. And that's what really moves us to work together and to, to do the things that we do, whether it's expanding access to affordable health care coverage or making sure that you have enough nurses on shift and that we're holding those accountable to to make sure that happens. It's good to be here and talking about these things. Yes, so thank you. You really highlighted some of what we get at when we talk about what it means to have values-driven agenda, and the work we do is really rooted in values. So could you speak to what makes you proud to be a Minnesotan? Well, the first thing I'm very proud of is that 85% of our hospital nurses are unionized. 
I believe it has a direct correlation to the quality health care that we have in the state of Minnesota. Because when you have a, a unionized nurse, nurse force, they have the voice, they have the 50% of the voice at the table in between contracts to fight for their patients and their profession. The second thing is the fact that our state is such a volunteer state. Volunteering has always been a huge part, I think, of what makes Minnesota great. It's kind of like it's, it's showing that caring and looking out for your neighbor, and I'm very proud of that. And I, I know that the military, it's always our guys that go overseas the longest and put in the most service, and I'm extremely proud of that. That's right. I mean, and we hear that whether it's from you, a nurse, or the farmer from Granite Falls, that Minnesotans care about each other, and they're really dedicated to the well-being of each other, whether they've met the person or not. Right. And you use the term nurse force, which is a term I haven't heard before, but I think it's pretty apt, (laughs) because I've seen the nurses out in forest many times, and you're formidable. But you know what makes it so easy is because we're not out there for our own selfish reasons. We are out there for our profession. But if our profession stays intact, and I will tell you, corporate health care is trying to whittle away at some of our basic principles Mm -hmm. of our nursing profession. But if that stays intact and we're allowed to give the care that we want to give to our patients and everybody benefits, I can do what I do because I believe so strongly in what I'm fighting for. So if, if there was one thing that you could change to help improve lives for Minnesotans, what would that be? Fighting for Medicare for all. The fact that a hospital like mine, you have to worry about so many people that can't pay. And even the ones who do have insurance, the amount of people coming in that can't pay the bill indirectly affects those people who are in there paying for their bill. Because what comes along as the bills don't get paid, they start to short the staffing, and you start to cut corners, that kind of thing. And so having everyone be able to have health care that pays for what we need would benefit everyone. Well, thank you. I mean, that's really exactly why we're here. And, you know, part of what our agenda was and why we really came together is around that Minnesotans have told us that loud and clear. And and so thank you for doing that and for working for that. So before we let you go here, we're going to ask you, what is Mary's go-to food or activity? What do you got to do here at the State Fair, Mary? Okay, that's really funny because I used to come to the fair all the time religiously when I went with my best friend and her mom. And since I've been president, I come here to work the booth. And the closest food thing is that vegetable place that where they deep fry it. And that's, so that's what I end up eating, you know? At least it's deep fried though, right? Oh yeah, exactly. And it's on a stick. Well, thank you, Mary, for being here with us on the Minnesota Values Podcast. Thank you guys for what you do. Thanks, Mary. All right, we are here in the Education Building, and we're joined by Athena with Protect Minnesota. Welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast. Oh, thanks for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about Protect Minnesota and about yourself and how you got involved. Sure. So Protect Minnesota is the only state-based advocacy gun safety um, organization, obviously located here in Minnesota. I got involved with it a few years ago. Uh, in 2016, a man walked into our law office and shot and killed our law clerk. And before that, I had been really thinking that 2016 was going to be the first year that I was going to become a single-issue voter because gun violence was really becoming a heart issue for me. And then the issue got a lot more personal. And so Protect Minnesota was looking for board members. I was really obviously interested in getting involved and they asked me if I would sit on their board and and I won't let them let me go. Tell us about some of the work you've been doing over the last year with Protect Minnesota, some of the pressure points you've been putting on, the kinds of people that are getting involved, things that have been happening. Sure, so 
Of course, in Minnesota, we like to work together. So we do a lot of work um, with Protect Minnesota and with uh, Moms Demand Action. And uh, there's a couple of other groups that have all gotten involved. And we really do know that when we all do better, we all do better, right? So this past legislative session, of course, we were talking a lot about the big two, which was the red flag law, which allows law enforcement to take somebody's guns if they're in a, behaving in unsafe ways. And then the second one is expanding criminal background checks to private sellers. And so really that is to prevent guns getting in the hands of unsafe people, because that's what we really want. We're not interested in taking people's guns away. We're interested in being uh, more safe. And how have you found that having survivors' voices centered in your work has mattered to Minnesotans and mattered to your organization? So not everybody's been affected by this issue as personally as my family has. However, in this day, there are so many of us who have survived some type of interaction, whether it's suicide, which is a huge percentage of gun violence here in the state and nationally, or even just the horrible stories that we see on the news or we know somebody who knows somebody. This is something that doesn't happen to somebody else. This is something that happens uh, in your family, to your neighbors, in your neighborhood, at your schools. When I think the point you're making too is, I mean, we can't believe that this isn't going to touch all of our lives. I mean, you were active in this issue and then it touched your own life personally. And I think it's becoming more and more true that the likelihood of this, if it hasn't directly impacted us, it will directly impact each and every one of us, regardless of what corner of the state we live in. And if we truly are a state that cares for one another, we really need to do something to address this. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of common ground there, right? So it's not about whether you're a gun owner, whether you're not a gun owner, whether you're a survivor, whether you're not a survivor. There are so many ways, not only from a policy perspective, which you know is what the legislature and what we're working on with those big two bills, but also just in your daily lives, right? Having conversations with people about how they store their guns. So there are so many ways for us to come at this issue and to make some movement. And it's not all or nothing, right? Nobody's ever thinking that we're going to eliminate this problem. We can absolutely do a lot to make it more safe. And a lot of the solutions like gun storage and other issues that I know that Protect Minnesota works on are broadly popular. They're things that Minnesotans support widely, whether they're gun owners or not. That's absolutely correct. And I don't know the exact statistic, but I believe it's right around 90% of Minnesotans, whether they are uh, gun owners or not, support the kinds of legislation that we've been pushing at the state level. We got it passed through the House of Representatives, so that was amazing. That was a very, very good day. And then, it, of course, it got stopped in the Senate. So we're really hoping that we can get um, some opportunity to uh, make some movement in the Senate this next session. Passing those two gun violence prevention bills in the Minnesota House, we had them in our top 10 priority bills. We listened to Minnesotans and we passed them. That was the first time that they had ever been passed off of either body's floor. I mean, that was significant because Minnesotans told us we needed to do this. And that's really when we do best is when we're listening to the voice of Minnesotans and we're passing legislation that's shaped by and evolved from start of session to finish of session. It was really, you know, your voice and Protect Minnesota and and Moms Man and others that worked with law enforcement that worked with different stakeholder groups and really got to a place where we could pass the best legislation possible. And that's really when I think we do best as a state and what we have the potential to do is work together. And I think that was a great example of how that's happening. And now the pressure is really on um, to make sure that the Senate does this as well, because this is the voice of Minnesotans saying we care about one another. Yep, I think that's absolutely right. It's really about listening to constituents and they have shown up. They've made their phone calls. They've written their letters. We show up at the state house. So what's one thing that makes you proud to be a Minnesotan? Well, the state fair, of course. (laughs) 
I think that the State Fair is just the best place to be. You really get a sense of all of the things that Minnesota is. Everything from heirloom tomato, roasted corn, sandwiches, and local breweries down to 4-H and, and Machinery Hill. Can I just tell you how special a place I think Machinery Hill is? You're wearing your orange uh, Protect Minnesota t-shirt now. Have you been having conversations with folks at the fair about gun violence issues? I would love to have those kinds of conversations. It's not about shying away. It's really about diving in, and it's about finding that common ground and being willing to build those relationships. Because at the end of the day, relationships matter. You know, what's the thing that keeps us all from being able to thrive or something you're really going to be focusing or want to see changed in this state? Of course, I would love to see Minnesota take the lead in figuring out how what is this common ground around gun safety. I mean, we really do share values here. We might express them differently. We might have different ideas, but it is a really big tent, and there is a lot of space. And if we get to know each other, I think we will continue to make movement on all kinds of things. We're really glad you could be here with us today. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to both of you. Thank you. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast. Thank you so much. So we're here with Tippy. Tell us a little bit about your, yourself and your story and why, why you're here and why you're talking to us uh, as part of the Minnesota Values Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my story kind of starts in 2016. Um, my husband and I had just bought a house. I teach kindergarten and I had just gotten tenured and it was really ramping up to be a wonderful year. And we got pregnant on the first try. So that was like the best news ever. And then later on that summer, we um, had our 20-week ultrasound, which is the ultrasound where people find out their gender, and a little bit more during that ultrasound. We found out that our baby had stopped developing somewhere between 15 and 17 weeks, and I had something, or he had, something called severe uterine growth restriction. Basically, what it came down to is he never attached fully to my placenta and could have prevented me from having any other children in the future if I didn't have something right then. And so that was when I was referred to Planned Parenthood, and it was the darkest days of our entire lives. So we then went to Planned Parenthood, and we um, had our abortion, and luckily we were are able to say that we did get um, our healthy, happy rainbow baby one year to the day after that and we're so grateful for him. He turned two yesterday. <laughs> and then we're um, expecting another one this winter. I don't know if my reproductive system would have made it through had I not had access to the abortion care that I needed. I want to be a mother. That's, I feel like, what I was born to do. And my husband wanted to be a father as well. And so that's why we're here, is people assume a lot of things about abortions, and especially about abortions that happen later in pregnancy. And we are here to help educate people on why they're necessary and why we need to keep Minnesota and all of Minnesotans keep that access for them. Well, thank you for being here and just yeah. sharing your story with us and why access to reproductive health care in all of its forms is so important and why, you know, as we know, it's under attack a lot. Yeah. And we've had our first pro-choice majority in the Minnesota House in quite a long time. And we're able to make sure we are protecting uh, women's access to healthcare coverage that they needed and so we appreciate you being here. So um, we're at the State Fair and we're talking to Minnesotans about their values and so what makes you proud to be a Minnesotan? We really do have a community of people who care about each other and even if it's just that surface, hey how you doing in the grocery store line, it still feels nice to just be you know, seen in public and so I'm grateful for Minnesota nice I guess and the community <laughs> that I feel here. Yeah. And have you felt uh, a community getting to work on issues of reproductive choice and it feels like there's, uh, you know, some strong bonds from Planned Parenthood and others who are out there fighting really hard on these issues. Absolutely. I think, I mean, 
this was something that I had never experienced, never come across in my life before it happened to me. And knowing that there were other people out there fighting for this who hadn't experienced what I went through and they were just doing that because they loved other people and that community that they had for their fellow um, Minnesotans just struck me so deeply and I just had to join in. I had to be a part of it. I have to keep other women able to build their families how they need to and that's that community of women that I've now found has been so supportive and caring and loving and I'm very grateful for them. There are other things that happen in life that we can't control and that we shouldn't be taking that choice away from somebody. And I mean, it's also why we do best when we listen to the actual stories of Minnesotans and not just what legislators think is best. But it's like hearing a powerful story like yours is really what should shape the kind of policy we have and pass in Minnesota and what we work to protect and not undermine that. I mean, that is your story. Talking points exactly that it's really about the stories and that's what we need to listen to and why it's so powerful that you told yours in the Senate hearing room and why you're doing it today. So thank you for that. Um, So we talked about like what you're proud of to be a Minnesotan. What's one thing you would change that you think could help more Minnesotans be able to thrive? Um, One thing I could change about this state. Let's see. The Clover Lane entrance and exit ramps (laughs) on the freeway system. I feel like we just would be friendlier towards each other if those went away. I think that would definitely help us. Um, I love I love being a Minnesotan and I really I have that Minnesota pride so it's kind of hard to like pick apart your own state. So at the state fair do you have a favorite food favorite activity that you got to do before you head out? If I could pick like one day to come to the state fair it would be to be pregnant without my child so that I can just go and look at all the food that I want to (laughs) eat. I've got Sweet Martha's cookies on the list and some cheese curds, and I think there's a Prano pup being cooked behind us. Can you not smell that? So that might be on the list, too. (laughs) Great. Well, we really appreciate you being here, Tippy, and we won't keep you from uh, all of those awesome pursuits without your (laughs) two-year-old. So we'll let you go, but thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. Hey, Jesus, welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and we're at the State Fair on a rainy day, but it doesn't seem to dampen the spirits of the Minnesotans that have turned out. Yeah, absolutely. I just walked in through the gates, and it seems like there's tons and tons of people here. It's so, it looks really fun. I can't wait to get out there myself, stroll yeah. the stands. See what, what's good. Well, we're really excited to have you here. So, Jesus, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. And you're with Outfront Minnesota and do organizing work with them across the state. And so tell us a little bit about you and the work you're doing. I just started to work there about eight months ago, coming up on nine months. So I am the Greater Minnesota and Faith Coordinator. And those are two really awesome fields to work with. I like to think that I have the best job at Outfront. I get to travel to a bunch of different cities and I get to do a lot of local organizing work. So work with orgs that are doing some uh, community things, all with an LGBT focus. And then the other side of it is my faith work. So I get to do a lot of really awesome, impactful work in faith spaces. So it could be churches, mosques, temples. I come and do a lot of awesome workshops and trainings and just trying to change the narrative on uh, LGBT inclusion in faith spaces. And tell us a little bit about yourself, too, as well. I am not a native Minnesotan, um, but I have loved my time here. But I'm from Colorado, did most of my growing up there. Went to school in Iowa. I went to Luther College. um, And then the Midwest just really pulled me in. I love um, singing with people, singing with groups, 
do some of my own faith work as well. And then uh, connecting with my Latin community here, which is um, sometimes not the, the forefront, but I get to work with a lot of really awesome organizers in the Latin, brown, black experience. So it's been really, really wonderful. So having Minnesota as your adopted home, we're happy to have you. What, what makes you proudest to be a Minnesotan? Minnesota is just wonderful. It's beautiful in so many ways. And the really fantastic thing about my job is that I get to travel, you know, north to south in Minnesota, east to west, and really get the rural and city experience, um, which I really enjoy. Minnesota is just like a hotbed of just wonderful politics, wonderful religion, wonderful movement work that we get to be on the front of. And I think a lot of people don't know how much Minnesota is truly at the front of a lot of issues. So we have a lot of things that are good and we're hearing about them from the interviews we're doing today and just being here at the state fair. But if you could change one thing about our state to make it possible for more people to thrive, what would that be? Some of the things that we do at Outfront is definitely about LGBT inclusion and equity. And there are so many things that, you know, we can change in terms of climate. We can change a lot of the way that people, you know, talk to each other. We can change a lot of the ways that people are, you know, thinking about these really important issues. Um, And that, for me, is, is very important and why I'm engaged in this work. I think that's... One of those things that um, not a lot of people think that they have to spend you know, time or attention or focus on. But when we talk about how do we make people comfortable, how do we make people want to stay in Minnesota, it definitely turns into those like community values, those things that we really need to pay attention to um, when we want people to stay in our state and things that we really actively have to think about. Because it not only is you know, in this sexual orientation and gender identity realm, but then we span into race and religion and then politics on top of that. And it's all of these things that we know uh, we, can, we can work on to, to definitely develop our, our equity and inclusion tactics. That's great. And we work pretty hard at the state legislature to try to make sure we're bringing in as many voices as we can and trying to be reflective of uh, the broader Minnesota community as we know it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's what I really enjoy about my uh, more rural work when I get to travel to smaller towns. Those towns that don't get a lot of shared resources, I love going out there and, and working with communities and trying to share as many resources as I, as I can, whether that's me as like, you know, let me come in, do workshops or trainings, or if there's anything that I can, you know, send in terms of resources and, and lists to people. I'm, I'm all about that work. Yeah. That's really great. Glad you were here and could share a little bit about your work. And so now the most important question we're going to ask today, you're at the State Fair. What's your must-eat or must-do activity? Oh, man. Um, Living in the cities for the last three years, um, I've made it a priority to attend the State Fair at least four or five times throughout the the time that we're here. Um, And my partner and I always really enjoy the Ferris wheel. Um, for many, many reasons. It's really a fun way to engage other people. That's definitely my my must-do activity. Well, that's a good one. Have a good day (laughs) and thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we're here at the Education Minnesota booth at the State Fair and joined by the Teacher of the Year. So welcome to the Minnesota Values Podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you teach. My name's Jessica Davis. I am a mathematics teacher for grades 11 and 12 in South St. Paul. Go Packers, not the Wisconsin ones. Well, great. Well, we're really glad to have you here. So what would your students say if we found one of them today and asked them about it? Hopefully that I'm hilarious. <laughs> I was actually just telling the ladies here, too, that uh, nobody's probably says that I'm this amazing math teacher. My work 
really has been about equity and advocacy of student voice. So I'm the advisor of our Black Pride organization, which is just one of four of our affinity groups in South St. Paul. We also have a Comunidad de Latinos Unidos, um, Women's Society and Sexuality and Gender Alliance. And those kids are just rising to the challenge of having some difficult conversations and talking about what equity means and looks like for them in their school. So that's really the power of what has elevated my presence in teaching and given me purpose. So say a little bit more about why that's so important and why you know the equity work you're doing in focusing on black and brown and indigenous students is so important within our education world. Yeah, well we know that the unique obstacles that students of color and other marginalized youth groups face have a profound impact on how they experience education. And if we're not deliberate and intentional about what sorts of decisions we're making or the system and how it was created, well then we can't be shocked about the outcomes that we're getting. If we want to make changes, then we have to start from the systemic level. That's awesome and powerful that you're in this work and Thank doing you. it. So I'm excited about it. So one of the it. things we've talked to, we've talked to farmers and teachers and advocates for LBGTQ rights and everything. And it's really cool to hear just how much Minnesotans care about each other. And, you know, in the work you're doing, you're showcasing that through your equity work. So tell us about what makes you proud to be a Minnesotan. All of it. I think that Minnesota is one of like the best kept secrets of the United States. All the way from its education system, we've got one of the best, to our parks, our lakes, our public transportation. I mean, I could go on and on and on. My school in South St. Paul is like somebody combined elements of all of the school districts, and we're first tier suburb so we've got you know a very diverse population but then on every Friday night during the fall you can find most of our residents in the stands of our high school football games so uh, there's nothing to not like about Minnesota. And for the South St. Paul uh, school district you're working in what what do you think makes it an excellent school district what do you think makes it so special in your eyes? The students, first of all. My students have risen to the challenge of being real leaders in the school. But we're one of the few in the first IB world district from K through 12. We're small, which is what I love. I'm from St. Joe, the Collegeville area. When my, my school was so small that we didn't have a high school, I'd be bussed into St. Cloud. But what I love about South St. Paul is the small community. Our, found, our Ed Foundation gave our seniors $444,000 in scholarships last year. So uh, I love that little community. It sounds like a, a truly that a community it where is. people are caring about it's each a family. other and all in on making sure that students have the resources they need to succeed in their education setting. And I mean, as a legislator, legislator we think about that all the time making sure our schools are well funded and not just you know in textbooks and teachers but in resources to be able to do the programs like you're doing around engaging more students in identity things that matter to their lives Um, and all that really matters and why why we see that as one of our top 10 bills was well-funded schools right and we know that the funding has to be solved from the policy side of it it's not just about the textbooks it's about the infrastructure that we have from your perch teaching math students, what, what is one thing that you would improve about the state? If you could wave a wand and try to make something better, what would it be? 
it would definitely be the funding in education, all the way from teacher salaries, of course, advocate for that, but really taking a, a deep and deliberate look at the policies that are in place. I mean, every system produces the results that it was designed for, right? So if we want some real change in the way um, we are supporting our students, then we need to start at the very beginning and virtually start over. So tell me a little bit about the salary impact. What does that mean to you and your your peers? Well, I would just like to be treated in the same realm as like, you know, a doctor or a lawyer. That would be great. As far as my students go, though, you know, it funding for my students means smaller class sizes. It means more options for them to, um, for elective classes. It means more counselors. And in this light of mental health, we really need to address those types of things. That's what funding does for education about the kiddos and the education they get and their ability to set themselves up for being successful and we want to be with you in that fight thank you we're so glad you were here Um, so the last question we're going to ask very important what is your go-to must do or eat (laughs) here at the minnesota state fair i don't know i usually make a stop over to get the sunnies in a boat i I really like the fish i mean it's minnesota you gotta like sunnies um, and then I always go through the International Bazaar, and my mom and I have this thing about getting all of the weird stuffed olives. Oh, yum. Oh, boy, yeah. Those are two we didn't hear uh, no. elsewhere today, so <laughs> you're a true original. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Thank and you so best much for having me. on the upcoming school year. Thank you so much. Well, we covered a lot of miles, and we're drenched. That's true. But I am feeling, like, super just energized and feel really grateful we did this because wow those are some really amazing stories absolutely no I'm, I'm really uplifted and excited and the thing that I think stood out most to me was even if we were talking to a laborer or a farmer or a mom right they were all sharing stories about how they felt like Minnesotans care about each other and lift each other up and whether it's plowing each other's fields or looking out for each other if They've had a tough day, right? It was pretty consistent that that's what people feel is our values as Minnesotans. Yeah, that came through in every single person we talked to is Minnesotans care about one another and they want us to pass legislation that represents that. So I feel really excited to start the next legislative session with that, those stories behind us. How about you, Jamie? Absolutely. I think we got a good list and I think we know that uh, the people of Minnesota care a lot about what we're doing and trying to help, help move forward to make sure that we're building a better state. All right, well, let's go eat some cheese curds. All right, done.